0: Good morning, congregation. What a privilege to be able to gather together around God's Word, words of life that are our hope, truth that does not change. This morning we do continue in the book of Hebrews, turning to chapter 12. We looked a little bit last time I preached at the beginning of Hebrews 11, and that whole chapter is such a wonderful testimony of those who have Gone before us, who walked faithfully, who walked by faith. And at the end of that chapter, there is the reminder, and all these, though commended through their faith, did not receive what was promised, since God had promised something better for us, that apart from us, they should not be made perfect. And so we have these wonderful examples, and now we come to our text, chapter 12, reading the first four verses. Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight and the sin that clings so closely, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured from sinners such hostility against himself, so that you may not grow weary or faint-hearted in your struggle against sin. You have not yet resisted to the point of shedding your blood. So far, reading of God's holy word. Sometimes when you undertake an endeavor, some kind of a race, you start out and you're all eager. A number of years ago, I went on a 75-mile bike ride, and it was mostly uphill. And I started out ready to tackle this. I'd been preparing some for it. And yet, the last five miles, there was a break just before that. I laid my bike down, and I laid down, and I was about ready to quit. It's like the rest is all uphill. And there was another man I was, went with, and, and he's encouraged me. You can do it. Just rest for a few minutes and let's go. Let's finish this race. And that encouragement that we need sometimes is what the author of Hebrews is reminding us of. He knows the reality of weariness, of struggles, of trials, of difficulties, and he encourages he reminds them that there is a race to be run. We do not begin our Christian life and then say, well, this is too hard. We say, I must continue. I must persevere. I must endure. This is not a race that we go and we're running around in circles, ending up at the same place every time. No, a race has a beginning and it has an end. And we think of that in our lives, that we too are looking for that finish, and the nature of that race is set before us here, where we are reminded that we must run with endurance the race that is before us. And here, what is termed race is understood to have a context in which there is struggle, in which there is effort. The same word in other places is translated as conflict. When Paul writes to other churches, he says, you know the conflict that I have for the sake of the gospel. And here there is the reminder that the Christian life is not a smooth track that we may coast down. No, it is more like an obstacle course where we must put forth an effort where we must seek God's strength that we may endure. And be faithful to the end. We think of how Paul encourages Timothy to fight the good fight of faith. That there is the effort that must be made. and There must then be this commitment to this race. As we live our Christian lives. And there is the reminder then that we are to remove hindrances. And we are to avoid and rid ourselves of sin that clings so closely. Imagine somebody getting ready for a race, a very important race, and you see them at the start, and then you see them picking up rocks, putting them in their pockets. And you think, "Um, what are you doing? Don't you know you need to run as fast as you can You can't be adding weight, things that will hinder you. And this is the idea that the writer gives, that there is the the removal of every hindrance, those things that would slow us down, that would keep us from being able to accomplish the things we desire. What are those kinds of hindrances? So oftentimes it is a matter of focus. That we can lose focus. We become concerned with the things here and now. We become worried about those things in our lives. Whether it's our job, our finances. Whether it's the future, whether it's friends, whatever it is. And we become preoccupied with those. And we forget that we are in a far greater race. That we have a hope that is in our Savior Jesus Christ. That we may press on. Sometimes at worry, we look back and we think it was all for nothing. But as we walk by faith, we may trust God that He is at work in every circumstance. And that He will provide all that we need. Another hindrance can be a wrong focus when we begin to focus on the things of this life. When we say, my week is going to be defined by my entertainments, by the things I may accomplish that I delight in, not the things that I offer as sacrifice to God. And even the blessings of God, as we so often define that, when we say somebody is blessed, what do we mean? Usually their life is good. They have riches. They have opportunities. And yet when we go back into the last chapter, those heroes of the faith, we see that was not always the case. And yet they were blessed by God. They were those who suffered, enduring mocking and flogging, chains and imprisonment. You see, sometimes even the blessings, the riches, the wealth that God gives us can become a hindrance. We begin to think, I'm self-sufficient. I don't need help. If you're like me, you're probably reminded when things are hard. When things are disappointing, that you have a great need of God. Then you cry out in prayer. So much more than when you say, life is good, life is easy, I have everything I want. And so the hindrance can be that wrong focus. And here the writer is encouraging us to get ourselves free from all of these things, laying aside every weight. And the sin, the sin which clings so closely. Again, sometimes we, come, we are unaware of how close that sin is. Sometimes we think it's only a small sin. It, it won't affect anybody else. It's only what I'm thinking. Compared to what other people do, this would be excused. And yet, you think of how it hinders us, how a small sin can lead to others, how it can become entrenched. And the warning is that sin can entangle us, it seems so insignificant. When we think of entangling, we may think of a spider's web and and an insect. And you think that spider web doesn't look very strong. It, It just shimmers a little bit. You can hardly see it. Yet a larger insect becomes entangled in it and snared. And it can be the end of that insect. The spider eats it for lunch. And so it can be with sin that there is that need to understand that we, we cannot say, well, I'll, I'll just entertain a little bit of sin. I'll only go so far. And no, we are to pursue that, that holiness that we would run with endurance. for this is what we are called to do, to set aside everything that would hinder us, that would keep us from being faithful. It was the desire of the Apostle Paul that he would run with endurance, that he would be faithful to the end. And he writes in Philippians, forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead, I press on toward the goal, the goal of the prize of the upward call of God in Jesus Christ. There was his desire. There was his focus. therefore he would lay aside everything that would hinder him. He would look forward. He would look upward. He would look to Jesus. And here the author then reminding us of the significance of this race. That the Christian life is not one of ease, but rather of, of discipline of walking by faith, of walking in the spirit, of putting to death the deeds of the flesh. Yet he reminds us of the great encouragement in the race. And he gives us two encouragements. One is reflected in chapter 11. All these heroes of the faith, that they are an encouragement. and Then he focuses on Jesus. Now, You look at this cloud of witnesses. We are surrounded by a great cloud of witnesses. Those who had walked this life. Looking toward the end. Looking toward their Savior. A reminder that we are not alone in this race. That there are many who have gone before us. And what is it that they desire? What is it that they were looking for? You see how they wanted that relationship to God, but they wanted the fullness of it. They were not content with the things of this life. Even the relationship they had with God, they desired much more. And now we're reminded of that in chapter 11, where you think of Abraham. And Abraham was wealthy. He was over a household that could raise an army of 318 men to rescue his nephew Lot. And yet, how did he see himself? A pilgrim, a stranger. He desired something far more the heavenly city that God built, one that was everlasting. And you can go through all of them. You look at Moses, raised in Pharaoh's household. What luxury, what authority, what power. And yet, it was not what would define him. It was not what he wanted. He desired to have that relationship with God. He desired to be associated with God's people, even though it meant suffering, even though it meant scorn from others. That was of greater value to him. This is what they desired something more than this life, that life everlasting that is found in God. And what did they endure? You think of what they had to endure. Again, we may think of Abraham given a promise by God, and then he had to wait. And wait and wait decades for the promised son. You go on through the whole list and they, they were all waiting. They had to wait. They, they did not see the fulfillment of their desires. And We know how long time can seem. I remember as a kid in school, knowing that I was going to go to a friend's house after school, and if you'd look at the clock, <laughs> tick, tick, <laughs> and it would take forever. And here, these men and women of faith were waiting, longing, and how it must have seemed like such a long time. And they had to endure all the distractions of life, the conflicts in this world, the opposition that they would face, the hurts the sickness, all these things they had to endure. And yet they persevered in triumphs and in tragedies, looking to God in faith, to His promise, that He would accomplish something that would be their salvation, that would overcome the world and all of its sins give to them that perfect fellowship with him. And what did they obtain? They obtained a good testimony. They obtained that testimony of the righteousness of faith. We saw that in Enoch. The testimony of God himself. That they were trusting in him. And not in themselves. This is what they obtained. And and yet they did not have the fullness of that. They had that hope. They had the promise. And yet in God's glorious design. We read from the end of chapter 11. God provided something better for us. That apart from us they would not be made perfect. All God's people will be made perfect. At the resurrection reunited body and soul for those who have died to live in the presence of God forever. And here's the great encouragement as we sometimes can become discouraged, as as we think, how long does this take? How long is this trial? And we go back and we say, look at this cloud of witnesses, the Scripture full of men and women who were faithful, who persevered. But then, the writer so wonderfully gives us a parallel. And he draws our attention to Jesus. Jesus who is greater. That has been the, the, the series, the focus of it in Hebrews. Jesus is greater. And notice he says, looking to Jesus. This was that personal name of Jesus in his human nature. It was not the focus on the eternal Son of God, the Christ, the Messiah. It is Jesus, who was born as a baby, who grew up, who had to learn, who learned obedience as a son. It is this personal name that we're reminded of, that He shared in our nature. This is not someone who has mastered something and now tells a student, well, just do this. Jesus has experienced the things that we experience only to a level and degree that we can never experience. And we look at what Jesus desires. What is it that Jesus desired? We're reminded in our text, looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him, the joy that was set before him, what was that joy? Jesus, in his human nature, was longing for that kingdom of heaven, For righteousness to reign in heaven and on earth. For the holiness of God to shine forth in all of creation. For mankind to be in right relationship with God. This was the joy that he saw that would be to the glory of God. This was his desire It cannot be the eternal joy of the Son of God for He never lost that. Jesus was the Son of God and as the Son of God He was eternal with the Father, with the Holy Spirit. Perfect in that fellowship and that joy within the triune God. But it was in His work as a representative For all who believe in him. The redemption of sinners. That this was his joy. This was his desire. And he then is the author and finisher. Or we might also translate the pioneer and perfecter. That our faith is rooted, is grounded in Jesus. There is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. He is the only all-sufficient Savior. And He is that one in whom our faith has its beginning and its end. We do not look outside of our Savior. This was what Jesus had as His joy. And we think of what Jesus endured. Yes, the heroes of the faith, some of them endured chains and imprisonment. They were stoned. They were sawn in two. They were killed with a sword. We think, does it get much worse than that? And we are reminded that he endured the cross. He endured the cross. Now, some might say, well, there were lots of peoples that the Romans crucified. They were not very nice to those they did not like. What was the difference with Jesus? When he was crucified, we are reminded that he bore the sin of his people. In Deuteronomy, we are told that those who were cursed and judged and condemned as they were hung on a tree, they were rejected by man and by God. And this is what Jesus endured. This is why his death was different from every other death. The shame, the cruelty, the mocking, the abandonment by the Father, the weight laid upon him that we cannot begin to understand. This is what he endured. That suffering that caused him to cry out, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And yet, he endured. He was faithful. Because he desired. He desired to accomplish that work. That he might have a people for himself that he would call brothers, sisters. That they might reign with him forever. Jesus desired. Jesus endured. And what did he obtain? The book of Hebrews is full of what he obtained. Beginning at Hebrews 1, verse 3. That was on the screen earlier. Who being the brightness of his, God's glory, and the express image of his person, and upholding all things by the word of his power, when he had by himself purged our sins, sat down at the right hand of majesty on high, having become so much better than angels as he has by inheritance obtained a more excellent name than they. This is what he obtained. That place of glory in his human nature as well as his divine. For the honor that he received. Hebrews 3, verse 3. For this one... Jesus has been counted worthy of more glory than Moses, inasmuch as he who built the house has more honor than the house. Again, Hebrews 8, verse 1. Now this is the main point of the things we are saying. We have such a high priest who is seated at the right hand of the throne of the majesty in the heavens. This is the place Jesus has been exalted to. This is what he obtained. And there is the great encouragement for us. Because the writer is dealing with those who are, are struggling, who have begun well, but are now having questions. And he wants to remind them, look to the future. Look to the promises that have been fulfilled in Jesus Christ. He has obtained that glory. He has obtained that righteousness for all who believe in him. You see, here's, again, the gospel proclaimed to them. Looking to Jesus, not looking to other people, not looking to theology, not looking to accomplishments, looking to Jesus. for he goes on to say, consider him, consider Jesus. And here's the question, how often do we do this? How often are we caught up so much in the busyness of life That we don't take time to consider, to reflect, to meditate on my Savior who has loved me. Not just with my warts here and there, but with my repulsive sin. And while I was yet a sinner, Christ died for me. Love, so amazing, so divine. Who can imagine this? And yet, this is what we were called to remember, to call to mind, to think that, yes, this is the invitation of the gospel. And if you are here this morning and do not yet know Jesus, here he is sent forth in his love and his kindness that he did not take upon himself honors. He obtained them through his obedience in his human nature. And he did so for all who would believe in him. He was the representative, he is the representative of all who trust in him alone. And therefore, when he is considering that he will return again to the Father. He says in the Gospel of John, I go to prepare a place for you, that where I am you may also be. There is that focus, that hope. And yes, the Hebrews had gone through many difficulties, The writer reminds them of that. He tells them they had gone through difficulties. They had the plundering of their goods. They had been in prison. They were faithful to those who were in prison. They shared in the hardships. But Now he reminds them, run with endurance. For it is not a hope that is realized in this life. It is the reality of a race where there is the conflict and yet Jesus has triumphed. And all those, the cloud of witnesses, say, yes, you can do it. As we, by faith, trusted in God, both in triumphs and in tragedies you also be encouraged. Consider Jesus. Look to Him, for He has done what you and I never could. We cannot obtain righteousness. We cannot pay for a single sin. But Jesus did, as that perfect sacrifice, and now, He invites us all to rejoice in Him. To share in His victory through faith. And therefore, He can say, run with endurance the race that is set before us. For the end is certain. Jesus is already victorious in heaven. He is already gathering from the nations all His people. And one day we will see the perfection of His glory, and we will reign with Him forever. And that is what gives us perspective on this life, the hardships, the disappointments, the struggles, the opposition, the ridicule, and we say all this counts for nothing in light of the promise that I have in my Savior. And so heed these words. Looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. And with him you are there by faith in him. Amen. Let us pray. Lord our God, how often do we become distracted with the things of this world? Whether they are the legitimate pleasures of this world that you give to us, or whether it's the hardships and the trials and the difficulties. Oh Lord, we pray that we may always set our eyes upon Jesus, that we may see in Him our perfect Savior, that we may marvel that we are His joy, that He calls us His family, that we are those who are received by God and obtain favor because of what our Savior has done. O Lord, we pray that we may always walk in that faith, that we may have that strength and endurance Because we walk in that faith in Jesus Christ, we pray in his name, amen.